Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Monday, January 1st Street, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. As we kick off the new year under partly sunny skies, Riverside is feeling a bit chilly with a high of 63.1 degrees and an expected low of 48.1 tonight. Now, let's delve into the major stories we'll be covering today. Turning to international relations, we're tracking a concerning development as North Korea's Kim Jong-un has commanded his military to thoroughly annihilate U.S. and South Korean forces should conflict arise. We'll be dissecting these latest escalations, evaluating expert opinions, and exploring the potential consequences of such inflammatory rhetoric. In domestic news, states across the nation are pushing forward with innovative strategies to reduce child poverty. At the forefront of these efforts is the expansion of child tax credit programs. We'll examine how these policies are being implemented and what impact they're expected to have on families in need. Lastly, we will take a closer look at the judiciary's engagement with technology. Chief Justice John Roberts has issued statements expressing caution about the deployment of artificial intelligence within federal courts. We'll discuss what prompted his wariness and the balance courts are seeking between innovation and integrity in the justice system. Stay with us as we delve into all these stories and more on Alex's News. In a concerning development, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has issued a direct threat. He's instructed his military to thoroughly annihilate the United States and South Korea if they feel provoked. To dive deeper into this alarming scenario, we're joined by Ethan, who's been following the story closely. Ethan, what can you tell us about Kim Jong-un's directive and what led up to this? Grace, thank you. Kim Jong-un's explosive directive is a direct response to the ramped-up U.S.-South Korean military drills, which North Korea has always seen as a provocation. The language used by Kim during this meeting with army officers is not just aggressive posturing. Historically, it has been a tool to gain leverage. It's believed that Kim may be pushing for concessions, especially with the U.S. elections looming, and the possibility of former President Donald Trump returning to office. Speaking of elections, South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol recently made some bold declarations in his New Year's Day address. What was the essence of his message, Ethan? President Yoon Suk-yeol's address was quite straightforward. He pledged to boost South Korea's military strength to counter the North's nuclear threats. He laid out a plan to enhance not just defensive capabilities but also to improve South Korea's preemptive strike and retaliation abilities. In his words, this is about creating a lasting peace through strength, rather than relying on the adversary's goodwill. These are tough words. But with talk of strengthening military might and preemptive capabilities, what do you think the potential repercussions could be for the region, Ethan? The ripple effects could be extensive, Grace. Firstly, this could escalate tensions further, with North Korea possibly ramping up its own nuclear and military development in response to the South's moves. This could create a spiraling arms race on the peninsula, with each side trying to outdo the other's capabilities. Could there be wider implications for nuclear proliferation in the region? Absolutely. North Korea's persistent threat might lead to South Korea rethinking its stance on nuclear armament despite its president dismissing the idea. If South Korea decides to go nuclear, it could trigger a chain reaction in terms of proliferation. And what about the neighboring countries? How might China and Russia react to these developments? 
China and Russia could see the increased military activity on the Korean peninsula as a threat. They may respond by bolstering their own defense systems, contributing to a tense and unstable regional environment. That sounds like a fine line to walk. With all this military enhancement, is there also a risk of miscalculation on either side? That's one of the most dangerous aspects, Grace. An increased military presence, coupled with nuclear capabilities, certainly heightens the risk of miscalculation which could inadvertently lead to an actual conflict or an escalation that no one truly wants. And lastly, could this affect the diplomatic relations between the North and South? Strengthening military forces could intimidate North Korea and make diplomatic engagements much more complicated. Diplomacy may become a tougher road if North Korea perceives these moves as aggressive rather than reconciliatory. That's a lot to consider. Thank you, Ethan, for that comprehensive analysis. We'll surely keep an eye on how this situation unfolds. This was story one of three. Stay tuned for more updates. Now, to segue into our next story, we're examining the growing trend among states to tackle child poverty by enhancing their child tax credits. It's a critical issue with far-reaching implications. Our reporter, Chloe, has been following this story closely. Chloe, can you give us the rundown on the current situation? Absolutely, Grace. So, the big picture is that after the federal child tax credit expansion expired at the end of 2021, which had dramatically cut child poverty rates, we saw a spike in those rates throughout 2022. Recognizing the seriousness of this issue, a growing number of states are now stepping up to offer larger child tax credits starting in 2024. This information comes from a recent NPR article analyzing these developments. And speaking of 2021's expansion, Chloe, how substantial was its impact on child poverty in the U.S.? It was quite significant, Grace. When the federal child tax credit was expanded through the American Rescue Plan, the child poverty rate plummeted to a record low of 5.2%, lifting 2.9 million children out of poverty. What's particularly noteworthy is that 2.1 million of these children were helped specifically by the expanded provisions of the 2021 credit. But then there was a major dip in progress in 2022, correct? Right. That once low poverty rate more than doubled to 12.4% last year after the expansion expired. Had Congress extended these measures, an additional 3 million children could have evaded poverty. It's a pressing issue because it highlights the dramatic difference these credits make, especially since, according to NPR, certain states with the highest poverty rates and lower living costs saw the most significant reductions. And what about the current efforts by states? Any particular details that stand out? For example, in Vermont, they passed a new $1,000 child tax credit, which has been a game-changer for families struggling with the cost of childcare and other expenses. Several other states have followed suit, with some offering full credits even to families with low or no income, and it's catching on across party lines, both blue and red states see the value in this. Are there concerns about people not being aware they qualify for these credits? Absolutely. Raising awareness is crucial, as many eligible families might miss out on these benefits. The NPR article underscores the importance of this, especially as we look ahead to 2024 when these state-level credits will come into play. And what could be the longer-term implications, say, if these state-level credits really take hold? If sustained, it could potentially reverse the negative trends we saw in 2022. By reducing child poverty, these credits can impact education, health, and long-term financial stability. 
However, it's also essential to understand that children of color, young children, and those in single-parent families are disproportionately affected, so targeted strategies are necessary to support these groups. Such important points to consider. Chloe, thank you for that in-depth analysis of the situation with child tax credits and the fight against child poverty in the U.S. It was my pleasure to share this vital information, Grace. Thank you. Here are some other headlines. Japan has recently experienced a series of very strong earthquakes, prompting immediate tsunami warnings along its western coastline. The characteristics include a 7.6 magnitude earthquake that struck at 16.10 local time with tsunami warnings issued for coastal areas in Ishikawa, Niigata, and Toyama prefectures. Russia also issued tsunami warnings for Vladivostok and Nakhodka. Evacuations were ordered, some houses destroyed, and rescue operations initiated. Power outages and disruptions to flights and rail services were also reported. Japan remains on high alert for further quakes. Thousands gathered in New York's Times Square to welcome 2024, with the iconic crystal ball making its traditional descent at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve. The event was marked by live performances and engaged festivities, although it was overshadowed by global conflicts. Security was tight with no specific threats reported, and revelers showed resilience and unity, with people traveling from afar to join in on the celebrations. Israel has advanced its military strategy in the Gaza Strip, indicating a possible change in tactics within the ongoing conflict. With troops withdrawing and focusing on the enclave's southern metropolis, Israel is shifting from the mowing the grass approach to potentially applying the concept of strategic depth. This move has led to concerns about the humanitarian impact on civilians and has attracted international criticism. New Year's Day shopping hours vary, with some stores open and others closed. Acme, Albertsons, CVS, 7-Eleven, Rite Aid, Target, Walgreens, and Walmart are among those open, with some operating on reduced hours. Conversely, Aldi, Costco, Sam's Club, Trader Joe's, and UPS will observe the holiday with closures. More than 100 influential figures have been remembered for their significant contributions across various sectors. Their legacies of innovation, positive influence, good deeds, sharing resources, and inspiring stories will continue to impact and inspire future generations. Please remember that these updates reflect events up to my knowledge cutoff date in 2023. And for the latest information, always check with current and reliable sources. Now, moving on to our third story of the morning, we delve into a tech issue that is causing quite a stir within the judicial system. Chief Justice John Roberts, in his annual report sourced by NPR and the Associated Press, has expressed a rather cautious stance on the use of artificial intelligence, or AI, in the federal courts. For a deeper look into this, we're joined by our specialist correspondent, Ethan. Ethan, can you give us an overview of what Chief Justice Roberts is concerned about? Certainly, Grace. Roberts is looking at AI with a careful eye, particularly in relation to the federal court system. While he acknowledges the solid benefits of AI, like improving access to the courts, there's a very clear note of caution in his voice. And for good reason. He mentioned a recent case where AI actually generated fake legal citations, which brings up real concerns about accuracy and reliability. 
Fake legal citations sound quite serious. Could you explain more about that incident and why it's so significant? Sure. The incident involved AI-generated citations that were erroneous but ended up in official court records. Specifically, this included former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen's records. Now, the details are scant, but the implications are significant. Imagine if such citations went unchecked, they could adversely affect case outcomes and the validity of legal precedents. That's unsettling. What are the broader implications of this cautionary stance by the Supreme Court Chief Justice? Well, Roberts is essentially flagging the need for human oversight. He is reminding us that technology like AI should be an aid, not a replacement. Legal determinations often involve nuanced judgments that are, at present, beyond the capabilities of AI. This is essential because it's not just about efficiency but about the quality of justice. Now, considering this caution, what do you think the future holds for AI in the legal profession? That's a key question, Grace. Despite the caution, the use of AI is unlikely to slow down. AI promises enhanced efficiency, cost reductions, and greater accessibility. In short, the legal profession could become more efficient and affordable. But this must be balanced with vigilance against the potential downsides like bias, discrimination, and job displacement concerns. So it's all about finding that balance between innovation and regulation? Absolutely. Chief Justice Roberts' report is like a clarion call to proceed with prudence. The legal profession must navigate the implementation of AI with an emphasis on ethical standards, client satisfaction, and effective representation, while still taking full advantage of what AI can offer. And with these points in mind, would you say this could affect public trust in the legal system? It very well could. If used responsibly, AI can be a powerful tool to enhance the public's access to the judicial system. But any mishaps, like fake citations or bias in AI decision-making, could severely harm public trust. It's a delicate tightrope for the courts and the legal profession as a whole. That's a rich analysis, Ethan. It certainly sounds like we'll be hearing a lot more about the role of AI in the courts in the time to come. Indeed, Grace. The conversation is just beginning. Thank you for that insightful discussion, Ethan. It gives us all a lot to think about regarding the future of legal technology and the safeguarding of our judicial system. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Perplexity API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.